Alright, good morning TGP family. A uh, little welcome from uh, you know Butterfield Farms here, me and the family quarantining uh, as you guys know already. Uh, I'm really sad to not be able to be there with you all today. Um, really was looking forward to um, worshiping with you guys and um, and you know just getting to do do all the things but uh, but anyway here we are this is how we love well we've talked about that before uh, you know if you think you've been exposed to COVID you stay home and if you have COVID you stay home and so uh, we're gonna do all that I hope all you guys had a great Thanksgiving that you were able to um, really think about all the things that you have to be thankful for um, I certainly did. We had a great time here and, and I was sharing with the kids Thursday, you know, we all sat around the table and, you know, did the thing that everybody always does. You said, what are you the most thankful for this year? You know, it's been a tough year for most people. And so thinking about what we're thankful for is, is a very, very good thing to do. Um, and I shared with the kids that um, something just that the Lord revealed to me that morning just as I was getting ready for the day, getting uh, the smoker set up so we could smoke a turkey and a pork loin. Normally when I, when I get ready to do something like that, I just have to go scavenge in the yard. We've got hickory trees and oak trees around here, and so I just go pick up limbs um, that have fallen. And sometimes there's a lot of them, and sometimes there's very few, and so I have to be um, kind of selective with what I use. Um, but not this year. This year we had plenty of firewood. I had huge stacks of red oak and white oak and, and also some hickory um, that I could use. And so as I'm getting this fire going and I'm thinking about the year, um, I, you know, the Lord just kind of dawned on me. He was speaking that, you know, even when we go through really hard times, I, I thought about all the hard work that uh, my family, my kids and my wife and myself have uh, and others have put into um, to taking care of all of those trees that fell and splitting the wood and stacking it. But because of all that hard work, we were able to use that wood um, to make what I would say was some very, very tasty pork uh, and also um, turkey. And so uh, just a reminder that, that once again, God uses the difficult things in life to, to shape us, to make things better, to make things wonderful. Um, I have no, I, no doubt uh, that God is going to use this time right now in the life of our body in a very beneficial way for all of us. As I said yesterday in my Facebook post, um, it's very ironic that this is the first week uh, that we are, I guess you could say, by ourselves without Glenn and some of the other elders um, whom I normally could fall back on. This is our first week uh, and I have to quarantine and I'll have to quarantine next week as well because of the, uh, the timeline that I'm on. Um, and so, you know, it's up to you guys. I'm not able to be there and my wife's not able to be there and my family. Meeks aren't there. So like that's half of the church right there between our two families. Um, but but in, in all realness, all of us together are the church, right? It's not, it's not about me or my family. Um, things don't just happen because I'm there or Bethany's there. Things happen when the church shows up. And so I'm excited um, for you guys to have the opportunity, and I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do in that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get in. Um, but I'm also really, really, really excited. I've been texting with Glenn and Zach this week about this message series and the the things that that lord has for us in this in terms of all of our tgp family so um, i want to to throw this out there today too things obviously are a little different um, i know in the past when i recorded uh, up here in this corner typically there would be some slides but i didn't think it would be very easy to read those on the screen at the church and also it's um, very difficult for me to to do that and to really feel like I'm engaged in what I'm doing here. 
Um, I was able to do it, uh, you know, back in the day, but for me, this, this just feels better. And so um, here's what I do want to encourage you to do. Uh, if you've got your phone with you and you have the Faith Life app, you can open that up. There's going to be an interactive um, sermon outline that you can use that will have the scriptures in there and will also have the key points. Um, and those will be fill in the blanks and you can just click on your screen and it'll fill in the blank so you can kind of follow along that way. And also it'll have the scriptures in there so you just click on it and it'll open up the passage for you. So, uh, or if you've got a Bible with you, you can do that. So um, go ahead and, and get that opened up. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 1 through 11 today. So as you're getting that ready, um, I want to remind you that Paul is writing this letter from a prison in Rome. And the irony is not lost to me that I'm I'm more or less under house arrest, and and this is coming to you uh, via video rather than letter, because uh, that's where we are. Um, but Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi to encourage them and to to give them kind of some handles on what a healthy Christ-centered church is supposed to look like. Um, as you read this letter, to me anyway, there's a lot of warmth and gentleness in his words, and so my hope is that you're going to experience the same today as the Lord speaks to our body. Um, Our goal with this study um, is to see that there's no one that compares to Christ. Um, There's no other that deserves all the glory and the praise um, from the whole world. Let's look at Paul's words together this morning as we kind of dive in. It says this, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent in one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's start this morning with these first four verses. And I want to remind you that over the last few years, we've spent a lot of time studying the history of God's people. Those specific time in Exodus and then the specific time in Ecclesiastes. And and we've been reminded over and over and over again that God's goal has always been to restore His relationship with His people, right? We we always go back to the Garden of Eden. That's kind of the, the starting place. It's not kind of, it is the starting place for us as a creation, us as a people. And so... The goal for God is to bring us back to that kind of relationship. We also know um, that that this is the key to restoration, right? In order for us to be restored back to our relationship, God's got to do something because obviously we can't do it. We keep messing it up. And Christ's birth is what we're celebrating. Here we are. Um, in the season of Advent, which that, that word, I use it a lot, and, and Bethany constantly reminds me that in the Baptist church, that's not a word necessarily that's used a lot, but it's just this idea that you are waiting with expectation. Something is coming. You're expectant about 
uh, the coming of the Messiah, right? And so here we are at Christmas and we're celebrating Christ's birth. But I want us also to understand his life and his purpose. Since the entrance of sin, people have been separated from God and we have struggled in how we live in relation to one another as well. And there's a very specific reason that Paul writes this this letter, these first four verses in chapter 2, to the church at Philippi. He wants them to understand something that is key to our faith, right? He wants them to understand that uh, unity has been brought to the world through Christ. This is our first point for today, that unity has been brought to the world through Christ. Prior to Christ coming, there was no unity among God's people. There was, um, when they began to build the, the Tower of Babel, I'm sure you remember that story, and then God dispersed them and their languages because they were trying, again, to make themselves like God. And from that time forward, there is this disunity between all peoples on earth. And Christ did what no prophet or no priest could ever do. He unified his people through love. Look at these verses with me again. And and as we read it this time, these first four verses, I want you to just imagine in your mind that Paul is writing this to the gathering place west, to the gathering place Wardville, to the gathering place Colleen, and, and our other gathering place churches. Just in this moment, just take a minute and just take this in as if Paul is saying this directly to our body. He says, if then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, if you're experiencing any of those things, make my joy complete by thinking the same way having the same love united in spirit intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. In verse 1, he's telling the church that if you've experienced any of those things, any of those things that were just listed, then we are capable of following those things. And we know that it's the spirit that does the work in us, right? But we also know that it is our role to obey the leading of the Spirit. We talked about that a lot last week, that we know the things that we're supposed to do. And Paul is reminding us in this letter, he's reminding the church of Philippi that we are called to love one another and to do it in a selfish way. This leading and following that we're talking about um, is how we were created to live in relationship with God and with one another. I'll be honest with you guys, um, this week when I found out that uh, my family had been exposed to COVID, there was, um, there was some panicking that happened in my life because I realized I was going to miss these first two Sundays um, of us kind of being on our own. And, and the reason that, that um, I think that I felt panicky is because often I don't allow myself to trust others with the responsibility that I feel for our body. Um, and you can take that however you will, but... but I know that I'm responsible for, for certain aspects because because um, that's my role. But I also know that there's a lot of pride in my life and various other things that, that try to take control and, and then creates this fear in me that if I'm not there, then it's not going to happen. And obviously that's an issue. That's not a good thing. Because God doesn't need me to accomplish anything. All He needs me to do is to obey what He's called me to do. But but so often, because I want things to be just right, I try to you know grab a hold of things and, and be in control, right? Um, and you know, this week has been so sweet for me, especially these last couple of days, of the Lord so gently reminding me um, of the amazing loving people that we have at our church. 
right? That you guys are more than capable because of the power of the Holy Spirit to take care of any need that might come up. The same Holy Spirit that lives in me lives in you. And, and the only difference is, is I'm me and you are you, right? We all have responsibilities in the body. And, and my pride gets in the way often of, of me letting the church be the church because for some reason in my mind, Will can do it better than others can. And, and obviously we know that's not true. But I believe that God has provided our church with an opportunity to experience a reliance on Him instead of what we bring to the table, right? The Lord has been very clear with me this week that I'm trying and I have been trying too hard sometimes to control things because I want them to go just right. When really, if in order for them to go correctly, I need to let God have control. There may be some areas of responsibility that, that God's getting me out of the way of for the next two weeks. I, I don't know for now. Um, but I, what I do know is that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal what all of us need to do in His timing. And so I want all of us to be to be on watch, right? To be listening and praying and asking the Holy Spirit, how are you calling us to interact with one another? We're in a new season in our church. We've just launched out a bunch of new members and they're super excited and we're excited, but that means that all of us have new responsibilities and new roles that we, we have to step up into. And we're going to talk about that more at a later date, but, but all of us need to be paying attention. Um... I do know that there's no need that exists in our body that God can't use our membership to meet. We all understand that, and we can move forward into what God has for us. Um, this church is not about will, and it's not about you individually. It's about um, all of us, God's people, being used uh, by Him as He needs, that, that we just pursue and obey what He's doing. We see Paul teaching the church in Philippi the same thing. Paul's reminding the church that they must continue on with the same mind as Christ, to love like Christ, to be united in the Spirit with one purpose. And we're going to talk about that one purpose in just a minute. But I want us to see the importance of, of not living for ourselves, but living for other people. This is the example that Christ set for us. This is what people see when they read the Word. This is what we see when we, when we study the New Testament church, that we see a, a body of believers that aren't focused on what they need and what they want. They're focused on the needs of the whole. And if we're going to be a church that leads people to know God, we must live as Christ lived. Any part of us that gets in the way of that, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse that part of us so that we can be made into His likeness. Christ uses our lives to show the world how amazing He is. Point number two I want to make today is that Christ revealed the heart of God by humbling Himself. Our example is Christ, not some Americanized version of Christ. Look with me again at Paul's words in verses 5 through 8. He says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. You know, it's, it's Christmas time right now, and I know this probably doesn't feel like a Christmas message, but hang in there with me. It's Christmas time and the whole world knows it. But what does the world really know about the Christmas story? I want you to think about this with me for a minute. They know that Christ was born, right? That's the thing that we talk about the most. And there's some details revolving around that story that we kind of tend to make the main point. Like, he was born in a manger. 
Um, there were shepherds and other farm animals around. Um, there was no room in the inn. Angels appeared before the shepherds and proclaimed the good news that the Messiah had been born. And these wise men came and they brought these really strange gifts. Um, and these are the things that we typically focus on, right? We talk about the virgin birth. But what does that tell the world about this Messiah that came to save all of humanity? Listen, those things are great and they're part of the story, but that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about our God sending a Savior to free us from slavery to sin and death. Yes, it's a celebration of Christ's birth, but not just that He was born. We celebrate what Jesus sacrificed for the sake of His beloved. Now, beloved, that's not a word that we use very often, but I wanted to use it specifically today because I want you to, to feel this sense of love that, that God loved us so dearly. We were so important to Him that He gave up His, his status. He gave up His place next to God. He humbled Himself down to the level of being where we are, right? The Creator became the creation, so that He could serve us, so that He could be like us and ultimately give His life to save ours. That's what we're celebrating. God loved the world enough to give up everything for our sake. You guys know the saying, um, Christ is the reason for the season. I'm sure you've heard that before. I really do not like that phrase, so please don't say it. <laughs> it makes me almost feel nauseated. Um, and I never really understood why. Like, I know that that's a good thing, should be a good thing to say. But as I was studying this passage this week, what I realized is that that phrase to me, anyway, this is my perception of it, is that it's an attempt to plaster Christ's name onto something that we have created, some, a commercialized holiday, if you will. It bothers me because I feel like it's degrading the name of Christ in order to make us feel better about how we culturally celebrate Christmas. Now listen, the problem isn't gifts or trees or Christmas lights or any of those things. The problem is us. We've lost the awe and the wonder that's due this miracle that God came to save us. When we think about Christmas and we read of it in Scripture, we should be left speechless because of the love that God has for us. When we read this story, the first miracle we should see shouldn't be a virgin birth angels in the sky, or wise men following a star, the first miracle we should see is that God chose to save us. In verse 8, it says, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This, this is what we are celebrating. We were dead in our transgressions and in our sin, and Christ came to save us. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 17 with me. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man Jesus Christ overflowed to the many? 
And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one's sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. If by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in the life through one man, Jesus Christ? Romans 6.23, this is one we all know. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the Christmas story we should be telling. That all of us, from birth till now, have been living in sin, living under the law, entrapped by it with no way out. But Jesus, He came. This gift that we were all given is eternal life. We have been given this gift through the birth of our Messiah. The Creator became the creation in order that we may know Him and so that we can be saved by Him. A few years ago, Bethany and the kids and I were doing a family devotion that Glenn sent out to all the families. And we read the Christmas story, but the devotion, it didn't stop there. It continued on through the gospel, revealing to the kids the reason that Jesus came. In reading that devotion and discussing it with the children, Luke realized that he needed Jesus in his life. He realized that, that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. And, and so we went to his room and we sat on the bed and we talked through all of the things that Jesus did. I, I presented the gospel out to him and, and through that process, he decided that he wanted to pray to receive Christ. There's no better Christmas present than to enter into a relationship with a God that loves you. As a father, there's, there's no better Christmas present than to know that your child understands for the first time the immense love that God has. And that is the Christmas story. That is the purpose of Christmas. Christmas is an opportunity for us as God's people to share the truth about who God is and how much He loves us. Christ died to be our sacrifice, the sacrifice that we were meant to make. He gave His life in our place, taking our punishment and our death. The things that we earned, He took. We should magnify, we should glorify the name of Christ for that first reason. I'll be honest, when I think about that, all those other miracles, the virgin birth, the, the angels, the shepherds, the, the wise men, all of those things pale in comparison to the fact that Jesus loved His people enough to give up everything, to suffer and to die for us. If those miracles, the, the shepherds, the angels, the virgin birth, if that's as far as we ever go, with the Christmas story, we're missing it. We're missing the point. We need to dig into why God sent Jesus the way that He did. In coming in human form, Christ made a way for us to be made whole with God again. The love of Christ brings together what sin had separated. It brings us to God. It also brings us to one another. And then it says that even God exalted Christ because of what He did. If, if God who is equal, they are, on, they are both God. If, if the one who is equal to Him glorified Him, how much more should we? In, in verses 9-11 through 11 it says this, and this is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9-11, through 11, it says, For this reason God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. The third point I want to make today is that as united believers, we profess in word and in action the glory of God. Why did God exalt Jesus? It says right there that He exalted Him because He obeyed the Father. Because of Christ's obedience and love, we are made into His likeness when we give our lives to Him. We are made like Christ and brought into unity by a singular focus, which is to obey the Father. Remember a while ago when I talked about that one purpose and I said we talk about it later? This is it. In verse 2 it says, In chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And what is that purpose? It's that all of us would know God and be united. In John chapter 11, verse 52, it says, And not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. The singular purpose of Christ is that every man, every woman, and every child would be brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Christmas is about the greatest gift that's ever been given. Jesus, our Savior. As a body of believers, we know, and when I say no, I'm talking about gnosko, right? We know the Father. We know Him because we've experienced Him. We have a unique message to share. We know God in a way that most people don't. We know God by experience that comes through obedience. We know Him as Emmanuel. And we're going to talk more about this later, but I wanted to touch on it today. Matthew um, 1 verse 23, it says, See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. God is with us. Not God was with us, or God will be with us. God is with us. During Christmas, we can share by experience that God is with us. We can share this because we know Him. We have experienced Him. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8-12, through 12, Paul says this, This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ, and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heaven. This is according to His eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. We have a message to spread this Christmas season, to explain this glorious mystery that Paul is talking about. That Christ humbled Himself. He stepped down from, from His throne to be born here on this earth and to walk with us, to live and experience what we experience, and then to die for us. This is the message that the world needs right now, that God is with us. God has chosen to use the least of all, right, us, to share this message of hope 
Christ has come. He's here with us. He loves us and he desires to live in a relationship with us. It is God's desire that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means that God wants everyone to know Jesus as their personal Savior, that they would say with their mouths and they would believe in their hearts that Christ came, He was born, He lived, and He died for them. If we profess this message with our words and with our actions, the world is going to see what we see and know what we know that God is good and that He loves His people and that He is here with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we spend time with the Father this Christmas, reflecting on the incredible gift that we have been given, we will be transformed into the image of Christ. If we allow this message to infiltrate into every area of our being and change our hearts, our words and actions will follow. We will no longer be living for ourselves. We will love as Christ loves. We will see the needs around us and be compelled by that love to meet those needs no matter the cost. We will be a reflection of who Christ was. That first chunk that we talked about today. To live a selfless life. To put others ahead of yourselves. The way we accomplish that is by pouring ourselves into the Father and seeing who He is and we will be made His reflection. The world will see Christ as we come to know Him and love Him. And when that happens, we will sacrifice as Christ did because of the love that we have for this world. Church, this is the message of Christmas. That Christ came. Yes, He was born. And He was born to unite us with God and to unite us with one another. And so my hope and my prayer this Christmas season is that we would see that in a way that we've never seen it before. That God would draw you and your family in closer to Him than you've ever been before. And that even though we have to social distance, that God would draw us together as a people in a way that He's never drawn us together before. Let's pray. Father, I'm so amazed by this incredible gift that You have given us, that You gave us Yourself, all of Yourself. God, help us to to see that and to experience it, God. Draw us in right now. Draw us into who You are. Prick our hearts, Father. Turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Hearts that are just like Yours. God, we pray this morning that Your Spirit would move in us this week. Father, as we think about Christmas, as we put up trees and lights and, and, and sing songs, God, that all of that would remind us not just of the fact that you were born, but the reason for which you were born. Jesus, help us to love you more, to see more of who you are. Help us to reflect that in our lives through our words and through our actions. Help us to be a people that are united with you and united with one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.